You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. Aren't you glad that Jesus died for you? Jesus died for the whole world? Not just for a select few that Jesus loved you, though you're unworthy of his love. Aren't you glad that you're saved and on your way to heaven this evening? I want you to turn in your... Oh, turn in your Bibles to... Let's see here. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to take a few moments before we actually get there. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I've preached a number of messages in the recent past to you here at Fellowship on some of the attributes of God. An attribute of God is simply a way in which we describe God. You and I have attributes. We have uh, different ways for which you would describe us. If you were to describe me, you wouldn't call me fat. You'd probably call me too skinny. Um, That is an attribute that I have. I have brown hair. I don't have blonde hair. And so when we talk about the attributes of God, we talk about the things the things that we can describe God as to who he is, his qualities. And we're not talking about whether or not he has blonde hair or brown hair or white hair. We're not talking about whether or not he has a beard down to the floor. We're talking about his character and what makes up God. In the recent past, I've talked about the omnipotence of God. I've talked about the omniscience of God. I've talked about the immutability of God. I've talked about the divine transcendence of God. Oh, and I've talked about the incomprehensibility of God. This evening, I want to dig into the scriptures and dig into the thoughts of the self-existence and the self-sufficiency of God. Hosea chapter 4, Hosea the prophet is describing to Israel, that's echoing big time, yes? Yeah, we need to turn that down. Hosea chapter 4, the prophet is preaching to the people and saying that one of the major problems in the land of Israel, you know, there were many problems in the land of Israel, but he described one of the major problems that led to their apostasy. He begins and says, you steal, you lie, you kill, you commit uh, murder, you commit adultery, and these things exist because you don't have a knowledge of me. You don't know me. You don't know who I am. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected me, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. The issue, this issue, the lack of knowledge of the holy, the ignorance about who God is, is at the very root of hundreds of ills in the Christian life. 
It's at the root of hundreds of ills in our churches, in our local churches. This is why we see local churches going contemporary. This is why we see local churches going off the path, the old paths of the scripture, the things that were laid down centuries ago in this blessed old book. This is at the very root of the ills that we see in our local churches. It is also at the root of the very ills, the very problems the very sickness of your life. Of the lives of your families, of the lives of your, of your nation. A nation will reflect what they actually believe about God. And so as we've taken this journey on the knowledge of the holy and different attributes about God, we've discovered that there's a certain disconnect in, amongst our independent, fundamental Baptist churches. You see, we can say out one side of our mouths that we believe that God is omniscient. But we either don't believe that or don't really care about that whenever we think we can hide certain sins from God. We say that we believe that God is immutable, that he doesn't change, that there's nothing about him that changes, but we prove ourselves liars, inconsistent, whenever we take on the impression that the church needs to get up with the program of the world rather than the world getting with the program of the church written in this blessed book. Those who know or believe very little about God live lasciviously. But those of us who I believe would be more the character of our fundamental independent Baptist churches, such as our own, those who know much about God, they have so much head knowledge about God, yet it doesn't reach their hearts. It is a sad case whenever the preacher opens the book and says that he's going to begin teaching and preaching on the doctrines of God, the doctrines of the attributes of God, whenever there are certain people who sit back in their seat and say, I've heard this before. Ah, Peter, for 2 Peter chapter 1 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has given you power to live a life that pleases him through the knowledge of him. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature the divine nature that is inside of you, that Holy Ghost inside of you, great and precious promises, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Oh, my soul, so many Christians in this day and age carried about by their own lust, by their own lasciviousness, and we have no excuse, Christian. We've been delivered from these things. It is our lack of God it is our lack of the knowledge of God. It is our lack in the belief of the power of God inside of us that would give us the power to escape those corruptions. It is this lack of knowledge, a heart knowledge of the holy that is at the very roots, that is at the very root of many of the ills that we see in our churches. 
Peter goes on to say, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 12, says, Whereby I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Peter is saying, listen, I know that you know these things. He goes on to say, but I'm going to keep reminding you of these things until the day that I die, because these are the very things. When these things take from your, from your mind and enter your heart, and you continue to believe them and apply them to your lives on a daily basis, this is what will cause you to enter into the, enter into the nature, the divine nature. This is what will cause you to enter into a victorious Christian life. The sad thing is that we see so often around us many people who are not living the victorious Christian life, but are living the defeated Christian life. That is not a problem with God. That is not a lack of God's power in your life. That is not a lack of God's goodness. That is not a lack of God's care. That is not a lack of God's love for you. That is a lack of you simply not believing that God is who he says he is and applying that to your life on a daily basis. Oh, when we look at the self-existence of God, we see in Exodus chapter 3 an introduction to the self-existence of God as far as his name goes, but this is a concept that we see all throughout Scripture, interwoven all throughout Scripture. In verse 11, we begin reading, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and I, I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain." And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your scriptures. Precious Savior, I do pray that your name is lifted up in a mighty way this evening. Lord, there are so many ways in which Christians need encouraged this evening, and I pray that you would do that work. I pray that you would make me a vessel and get me out of the way to do the work that you've intended to do here this evening. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. We see God define his own self-existence in these verses where he's having a, a talk with Moses. He's commanding Moses to go into Egypt and to command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. And Moses, in his humbleness, in his lack of, also lack of knowledge of, of God, God sees this. 
And he reveals himself to Moses in this account and in another account in a way that has never been done before. He says, I'm going to give you a new name, and that name is I Am. A little later, he gives a name that's connected to the name I Am, and he calls himself Jehovah. He says to Moses a little later, your fathers know me as the all-powerful God. Your fathers knew me as God Almighty, but you're going to know me as Jehovah. Well, when we talk about this word, I am, this name that God introduces to the people of Israel through Moses, he, it remarks about the self-existence of God. That is, God exists on his own power. When we talk about the self-existence of God, we would say that he has no origin. You, of course, he has no origin. He has never begun. He is eternal. He is the uncaused origin. When we look around in nature, we can see that everything has a cause. If you're sitting here this evening, the cause of you were your parents. The cause of the tree across the street was another tree. The ultimate cause of all of these things can be traced all the way back to the Almighty God that created all of these things and today causes all of these things to consist. God is the cause of everything that exists. God is the cause of everything that you see. But God has no cause. Some suggest that God caused himself. This is untrue. God did not cause himself. That would mean that God had a beginning, and that would mean that you would enter into a circular kind of reasoning that is akin to the Big Bang Theory. God has no cause. He did not cause himself. He has just simply always been. Everything else has a cause except the I am. As he introduces himself in Exodus chapter 3, the I am. God does not have it in him to go out of existence. When we talk about the attributes of God, we are talking about things that are true about God. Things that are unalterable. He cannot go out of existence. He can never die. He can never be born. He has just simply always been. God cannot, God does not have it in him to go out of existence no more than we have it in ourselves to live forever. You can't live forever. Your heart will stop beating one day. Your breath will cease to move through your lungs one day. Your body can never sustain the corrupt nature in which it exists. You simply cannot live forever. But if you're living here and you're born again today, then God has a plan for you to where you can live forever. But that's not through your own power. That's not through your own strength. That's not through your own will. That's not through your own self-determination. That is only through the grace and the power of the Almighty One, the I Am, the self-existent One. 
before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God has always been, and he always will be. You look around and you see the beauty and the nature of this world, this old world, this world some 6,000 years old, and you look around it and you see how ancient the world is, but God goes back to existence forever, an infinity past, an infinity future. God has no origins. He has no beginnings. He is self-existent. When we look around at creation, we can see things that all things grow and develop. Some of you have grown and developed a bit more than others. You're simply older than others. Some of you haven't grown and developed as much, but you've certainly grown a whole lot more and developed a whole lot more than the babies inside of my wife's womb. You see, everything grows and develops. It changes. But with God, he never changes. He is immutable. He never grows. He never develops. Every single one of his attributes, whether it's the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, whatever his attribute is, all of them have always been the same and will forever always be the same. He is the self-existent one. He does not grow. He does not change. You and I change. You and I grow. We need to grow. We need to change. But God never changes, never grows, because he is who he is based upon who he is. He is self-existent. He is not becoming anything. God is not going to one day be something that he's not today. He is today who he will be tomorrow, and he is in eternity past, who he will be tomorrow. Thus is the statement, I am that I am. He does not develop. You and I, we grow and develop in our Christian lives, and our spiritual walk. He does not develop. He's always the same. When we look around in creation, we can see that each creature is dependent upon something else for survival. We need breath for survival. We need food and nourishment for survival. The plant outside, it needs sunlight, and it needs water, and it needs nutrients from the soil for survival. God needs nothing for survival. He needs nothing for survival that is to consume or, or to, to consist his life or to keep his life going, and he needs nothing for the survival of any of his attributes. God needs nothing outside of himself. And thus, we call him self-existent. We call him the great I am. He is not dependent on anything or anyone to be who he is, to help him keep his attributes. Do you realize that there is nothing Christian? There is nothing that you can do to help God continue to be all-knowing? And I know that that's a simplistic statement, but we're going to get down to where the rubber meets the road in a few moments here, because it seems that there's times when Christians think that they know more than God knows. Do you realize that you can't help God improve on his wisdom? You can't do anything to give God more power. You can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do. You can't worship God enough to make him more worthy of worship. 
Everything that we do in our Christian lives, it's not, to, it's not to prove that God is who he says he is. He is who he says he is based upon who he is. Not anything to do with me and not anything to do with you and not anything to do with anybody who has ever existed or will ever exist because God is self-existent. He's not anything like man's invention of the Greek gods, whose power becomes greater as people believe. He's not anything like Santa Claus, whose power becomes greater as people believe. He is self-existent. We're all human beings, A.W. Tozer said. We're all human beings suddenly to become blind. Still the sun would shine by day and the stars by night. For these owe nothing to the millions who benefit from the light, their light, so were every man on earth to become an atheist, it could not affect God in any way. He is what he is in himself without regard to any other. To believe him adds nothing to his perfections. To doubt him takes nothing away. Dear Christian, you don't have to believe that God is powerful enough to solve your problems in order for him to solve your problems. You do not have to believe that God is wise in order for him to be actually wise. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. He is omniscient. Whether or not you admit it and whether or not you tap into those things, he doesn't need you. I can't tell you how many times I've recently said that in pulpits, and people look at me like I'm crazy. God, listen, Christian. Get over yourself. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to win souls. God's not sitting up in heaven and saying, oh, that man would come to repentance throughout the earth, but oh, no laborers will go forth in the vineyard. He's calling forth laborers. He's asking that you would pray for laborers, but he's not dependent upon you, Christian, for your work. He doesn't need help to do what he's going to do. He's self-existent. He doesn't need a contender, a defender. Jude chapter, Jude tells you to be a contender for the faith, to take this book and to defend the gospel and the doctrines of this book, to go out into the world and defend against heresy and defend against apostasy. But God doesn't need you. He's self-existent. He can do whatever he wants to do in the moment of time with or without your help. God doesn't need you. He didn't create man because he was lonely. He didn't create man because he needed to be glorified. If God is lonely or if God needs to be glorified, then he's not God. If God needs to be glorified, then he's not self-existent. If God needs to be glorified, then he needs something from me in order to continue to be who he is. Therefore, he is not self-existent. If God needs my companionship because he's lonely, then he's not self-existent. He's not one and of himself, needing nothing outside of himself to continue to be who he is. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. 
Christian, the beautiful thing about this Christian life is that though God doesn't need you, He wants you. Though God doesn't need you to go out and soul win, He wants you to go out and soul win. Though God doesn't need you to worship Him, He wants you to worship Him. And when you think about who God is, when you gather and gain an understanding, a greater understanding, a deeper understanding, a broader understanding of the knowledge of the holy and all of the attributes of God, when you gain these things in your life through a spiritual meditation and prayer and allowing God to teach you things about Himself so that you would know Him intimately, when you gain these things and you go that way, then you fall in love with God and you don't go out and so win because you have to or because God needs you to but because you see the heart of God and that is the love of God and God wants you to you don't go and glorify God and worship God in your heart throughout your day not just on Sunday but throughout your day each and every day you don't glorify God because he's sitting up in heaven and he just needs somebody oh anybody he needs somebody to glorify him no 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 that is not the God we serve God is self-existent he doesn't need my adoration he doesn't need my praise but he asks me to praise him and adore him me being as sinful as I am, how could I resist God being as holy and righteous altogether as he is, and me being just depraved and sinful? Christian, how, how can you resist the desires of the God that doesn't need you? Acts 17 says, God that made the world. You can turn to Acts chapter 17. We'll come back to Acts chapter 17 uh, one more time. I want you to keep your finger in Exodus chapter 3 and go to Acts chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading in verse 24 and we will pick this up a little bit later and read a little bit more this is paul's sermon i see i'm just going to take a little rabbit trail for just a moment i i see these uh every once in a while i see a preacher on facebook or twitter or whatever mention how the only kind of right preaching is expository preaching that is, you take a verse and you only preach on those verses, and that is what you preach. And the reason that they do that is because there's a lot of preaching that's involved where people, men take verses that are completely out of context and do not do the context justice, and take a verse to say what it doesn't actually mean. But you look at some of these sermons in Acts, such as Acts chapter 17, this is not expository preaching. This is not verse-by-verse -verse preaching. This is Paul preaching topically, just as I'm doing here tonight. There are preachers around, around in our circles who criticize other preachers for preaching topically, but topically is actually a biblical method. Stephen did it, and he got stoned for it. Paul did it here in Athens, in Mars Hill, and he preached one of the greatest sermons in the book of Acts. Let's be biblical about the way that we think, folks. Let's just be biblical and not follow somebody else's philosophy because it sounds right. Preach the Bible and preach it within its context. But don't tell me that I'm, I'm doing God an injustice and an inservice if I preach a topical message. 
Acts chapter 17 and verse 24 and verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declared I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temple made with, not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath, and all things, God doesn't need you. Psalm 50, verse 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. God wants you to give your tithes and offerings. He commands you to bring your tithes and offerings. And if you don't do it, you are robbing from him. But he doesn't need your money. He already owns it. God is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. Can't imagine God having the Monday blues thinking, oh, I have to wait until next Sunday to be worshipped again. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Or I can't imagine God saying, I can't wait until next Sunday so I can be worshipped again. You know, God doesn't need your worship. You get to worship God. Take your focus off of yourself and put your focus on God. Take your focus off of what, how you can be a benefit to God and focus on, on what you can do to please a self-sufficient, self-existent, almighty creator God that loves you and wants to be your friend and wants you to worship him. He is the I am. Because he's self-existent, he doesn't have to explain himself to you. God's self-existent means that he is not answerable to us or to anybody, and we don't like that sometimes. Because bad things happen in our lives. Bad things happen in the world. And we look up at God, and sometimes we want an answer. Sometimes God gives us that answer. Sometimes he doesn't. And I think sometimes we fancy that one day we'll talk it over in the by and by. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But you understand that God doesn't need to talk it over with you in the by and by. Because when you get to the by and by, you will understand that God is indeed self-existent. And whatever he does is always the best for you. It is always good for you. And he doesn't have to explain himself to you. He doesn't have to give a reason for what he does in your life. He doesn't have to give a reason for allowing certain bad things to happen because he is the holy God. He's self-existent. He is independent. And so many of us try to exalt ourselves to Godhood by also trying to be independent. We have the American spirit inside of us. We've grown up with it from the time that we were young children to be always independent-minded. The essence of sin is independent self. That's what Satan did when he tried to rise above God. God is the only independent self. 
Isaiah 14, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. Satan's great sin was pride. Satan's great sin was independence. He didn't want to be dependent upon God. He didn't want to be attached to God. He wanted to rise above God. He wanted to be a God himself. He didn't think that he needed God, and he didn't want to worship God. The essence of many of our sins, I would say all of our sins in our lives, is independent self, thinking that we are self-sufficient and we don't need God for this area, or we don't need God for that area. We have this mindset of physical independence. God's existence means, self-existence means that he needs nothing for his existence. Nothing added to him for him to keep his existence, for him to keep his attributes, for him to keep his omnipotence, for him to keep his omniscience. Yet you need him in every way of your existence, Christian. Acts 17 and verse 22. In verse 23, we've already read, we've read verse 24. In verse 25, it says, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. See, and he giveth life to all, and breath, and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. That cuts racism out right there, by the way. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Racism was an invention of Charles Darwin. Not God. Your Bible is not a racist book. That they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not very far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Listen to that, Christian. For in him we live and move and have our being. Very literally, Christian, whether or not you want to admit it, whether or not you acknowledge it on a daily basis, whether or not you realize it, there is nothing that you can do independent of God. There's not a hand that you can raise independent of God. There's not a breath that you can take independent of God. You are not self-sufficient. You are not self-existent. Only God is self-existent, and only God is self-sufficient. Christian, realize and understand and I know that as you get older, some of you older saints know exactly what it means to depend upon God. Some of you ladies who have suffered through pregnancy know exactly what it means to depend upon God for just the daily simple things in life. But you need to understand, Christian, and get to a place in your life where you realize and you understand and you give God the praise and honor and glory saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need you for in you I live and have my being and in you I move and there's nothing I can do without you. I remember standing on the riverside when God taught me this lesson very clearly. You've heard this story before. I was salmon fishing, trying to tie a knot that I had tied dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Hearing Pastor White pull fish in, I'm seeing uh, fish jump in front of me, and I'm spending 15 minutes trying to remember how to tie this simple knot. I cannot remember how to tie this simple knot. And the Lord says to me, without me, ye can 
do nothing. And I said, okay, Lord, show me how to tie this knot. Within two minutes, I had that knot tied, and I had my line back in the water getting it tangled up again. <laughs> For by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist you need him in every way christian every way every single way i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing his self-existence tells us that he needs nothing to complement his character or his attributes. Yet we so often try to live our Christian lives independent of God. And when we see in Moses, in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses, the verse that we began in this chapter, Moses says unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Who am I? So many of us Christians don't ask this question often enough. Who am I? You've been saying in your heart, I am that I am, when you should be saying, I am because thou art. For I am the least of the apostles, Paul said, that am not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. each and every facet of your Christian life. And there's nothing in your life that does not touch your Christian life. We try to compartmentalize things and say that this doesn't apply to my Christian life and my spiritual living. But the fact is, is that Everything applies to your Christian life and your spiritual living. You're to be spirit-filled when you're brushing your teeth. Are you guys connecting with me? Do, are, are you following me? You're to be spirit-filled when you're driving your car down the street. You're to be spirit-filled when you're walking on the sidewalk. At all points, spirit-filled living, Christ-centered living, not independent self this area but dependent upon God in this area but dependent upon God in every single area because he is the only one that is self-existent and he is the only one that is self-sufficient there is not a person sitting here today that can say that I can live the Christian life without the help of God yet so many of us we don't say it in our hearts and we don't mean it but we try to do things we try to follow the commands of God through the power of our flesh, and we fail. The sooner you get to this statement that Moses makes and say, who am I? Lord, who am I? What can I do? Who can I influence? How can I worship you? How can I do good? 
Who am I? The sooner you get to this humble position that Moses is in, the sooner you realize the next statement that is revealed to Moses by God himself, who calls himself, I am. Moses says, who am I? God says, don't focus on who you are. Focus on who I am. I am that I am. You tell them that I am sent you. You tell them that that's my name. You tell them that I am the self-existent one. You tell them that I am the only self-existent one, the only self-sufficient one. Moses, you're right. Who are you? You're nothing. Without me, Moses, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do whatever I command you to do. You can obey every command I command you to do. But without me, when you go free of me, when you go independent of me, when you commit the sin of Satan trying to exalt himself in independence from God and above God, when you do that, Moses, you'll always fail. Always. Exodus Chapter 20, and verse 7. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read a verse here. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I used to think that that meant that I wasn't to say God in a way that what I wasn't talking, I wasn't to use God as a curse word or Jesus Christ as a curse word. And I think that that definitely applies. But listen to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be fool and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. The picture here, folks, isn't a man stealing and lying and saying Jesus Christ in a way that he shouldn't say Jesus Christ. Or stealing and lying, committing sin, and then also cursing. That's not the picture. The picture here is that a man who gets to the point... A man who gets to the point that says, God can't supply my needs, so I have to go outside of God, independent of God, and go and find a way to provide for my family. A man who says, I need to steal to get what I need, is saying, I believe that God is self-existent and the great provider, but I'm saying that in vain because when I go and steal, I'm taking my knowledge of that in vain. You following me? In other words, when you say that you believe a particular thing about God, but you don't back it up with your actions, and when the rubber meets the road, you are independent of God for your spiritual life, independent of God for your physical life. There are certain facets and corners of your life where you're independent. What you're saying is that there are certain areas where the self-existent God, I believe him to be self-existent and self-sufficient and able to supply me with all of those things, but I don't need him over here. I've got that. You're taking the I am in vain. 
It is a breaking of God's law, a breaking of his commandments. God is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. God is the only one that is self-existent. You are not self-existent. You are not independent. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it at all in your own strength. Spiritual life, physical life, you can't do it. Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. He's self-existent. He doesn't need your worship, but you get to worship him. He doesn't need your service, but you get to serve him. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.